Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Amazon Prime Video UK, the home of the US Open in the UK, the US Open, which will be starting in just a matter of, what, three weeks time which is pretty extraordinary it is awesome. coming up on us very very quickly indeed i'm all right with it now you know Wimbledon when we were talking about the u.s open and it all seemed far too close i'm all right with it now, now that we're well into the u.s open series yeah. i feel grooved on the hard courts i don't know about any of the players but i feel like okay it, it's time we've now. also had three weeks off in the sun we've so. also had three weeks off in the sun and we continue to be in the sun myself Catherine Whittaker, david law alongside me you find us in the sun in my front garden in Putney there are butterflies fluttering all around there are planes overhead there are glasses of ice cold water in front of us David it's not and, the Putney uh, exchange but you know it's something I'd call it an upgrade on the Putney exchange sorry oh, Putney exchange but hurts. um yes and just to uh, just to reassure you that uh, the podcast this week is not being presented by Kathleen Turner I am uh, <laughs> I am recovering from a bout of tonsillitis so uh, yeah the only uh, adult in town <laughs> Kathleen Turner that that is a throwback it wasn't wasn't she in well, Romancing got, the Stone? She's got a great deep voice, hasn't she? She does have a great deep yeah. voice, but I'm just thinking... She sounds like she's permanently got tonsillitis. When I went and saw her main films, you weren't actually alive, I don't think. Oh, I love Romancing the Stone. Oh, okay. Love a bit of Romancing the Stone. Anyway, yes, yeah, so please excuse the odd bit of coughing, the odd bit of sort of my sentences evaporating <laughs> midway through and David Law taking over, which he's, he's he assures me that he's got lots to say this oh, week. Oh, yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> so brace yourselves. Um, it's been quite a busy week. We've had events in um, Kitchball on clay, randomly, uh, in San Jose and in Washington on hard courts and in Los Cabos uh, on hard courts as well. We've had wins on the women's side for Mihaela Bizanescu. Her story continues to blossom and uh, befuddle and bowl us all over. We've had Svetlana Kuznetsova winning in Washington, Sasha Zverev winning the men's title in Washington, defending the men's title in Washington Fabio Fanini winning a first ever hardcourt title in Los Cabos and, with that uh, hair with that hair proving what that you really can there? win tournaments with any hair uh, and we've had Martin Clijan winning in Kitchball and Dominic Team limping out injured well shoulder injury so I doubt he was limping but uh, yeah that's what has happened results wise um, and we will touch upon all of those David but I think I don't know, story-wise, for the week, the biggest singular story was the comeback of Andy Murray, yes. I think. And and for me, this is where the comeback starts. I think we have to look at, at Queen's and... Um, and Eastbourne is a little bit of a, I don't know, a sort of testimonial for the British crowds almost, just sort of a, a, a bit of a, not quite a lap of honour, but him just sort of reminding the Brits that he does intend to come back. But uh, it's difficult to put those those events and those performances into any kind of context context particularly now that we have the comparison point of his three performances in Washington his three 
victories in Washington, his three three-set victories in Washington, where, uh, I mean, there are many facets to all of them, many, <laughs> many divergent storylines, but where he was a completely different player to the one that we saw on the grass. Certainly in Eastbourne. I remember you telling me you'd sat courtside for the, was it the Kyle Edmund match? It was, match? yeah, and it was a depressing experience. Yeah, because I, f- I felt the, the Queen's one was relatively uplifting against Nick Kyrgios. This was certainly another level altogether. This was... You know, I'm not saying it was like watching Murray of old because that guy won Grand Slam titles and finished world number one. But it was cert- there were certainly elements to his on-court demeanour, to his chasing down, to his defence, and even just in patches, his sudden realisation, actually, I can go for it here. I can go for my shots and I can make shots. Um, so there were, there were lots of cameos of the old Andy Murray out there. But, you know, I, I feel as though... I've, I've, well, we've spent most of the last six, eight months just sort of hoping to see what we've seen very successfully in the last month with Novak Djokovic, what we've seen in little snippets from Stan Wawrinka, obviously before that Nadal and Federer, in terms of these comeback stories from injury and Andy Murray's of those really upper echelon players he was the one remaining player that we just didn't really didn't know whether sure. we, we'd ever I'm see I'm not sure this. we know about Vavrinka yet no we? but we've we've at least I'm not sure where are the snippets I feel like he's Vavrinka. had moments at least he's back on the court and honestly honestly I we saw Vavrinka come back at the Australian Open and win a match we saw him have just there were little bits where you see he had a good match last week he lost it but he was close um I really wondered whether we would ever see Andy Murray again uh, in the spring. Uh, when, when he had that breakdown physically and stopped, or at least stopped training, and we stopped... You know, you made a very good point last week about his, his social media usage and how you, you, can, you feel as though you can kind of sense where he is a bit mentally and, and, and how the game's looking and how his hopes are based on how the, the tone and the regularity and... Um, frequency of his posts and suddenly he was really posting a lot and there was that period in March April when he wasn't posting anything about anything and and it went silent and I felt very I felt for his manager who was having to try to you know give as much and as little as he could all at the same time to, to people asking questions because Andy Murray clearly didn't want to talk and didn't want to let anybody know because probably it wasn't going very well well at that stage I did really wonder and there have been a number of stages where I've thought not sure we're ever going to be able to see him on a court again because if he can't play, he's not going to want to humiliate himself. Well, he certainly didn't humiliate himself this week, did he? No, three set victories over Mackenzie McDonald in the first round, over Kyle Edmund in the second round and over Marius Koppel in the third round. And, and, and that's the one in particular that, that has its uh, offshoots of talking points. But just, I think the Kyle Edmund one is the biggest benchmark for, for Andy Murray. And I know there are... There are dimensions that come into play when Murray plays Edmund, not dissimilar to those that come into play when Murray plays Kyrgios. The respect element, the fact that, you know, that they they very much bigged it up in the World Feed commentary, the, the dynamic of Murray being Kyle Edmund's hero. But I don't think that was that big a factor in the match. I think um, maybe it wasn't absolute vintage, uh, hardcore Kyle Edmund, but it was, in particular aspects, it was vintage Andy Murray in the doggedness it was absolute yes. vintage in the in the absolutely it, he was I mean you barely needed commentary it was commentary provided by <laughs> yes. Phil Studd uh, who was it Pete Hodges and Andy Murray himself yeah um, and yeah he was being completely defiant a complete nightmare with all his gesticulations and shouting at himself you could tell he was having the absolute time of his life <laughs> that's the thing isn't it he shouting looked, at everyone he looked like he hated everyone Everybody, yeah. but actually he loves everybody. Yeah, he, you know, he loves ha- the fact that it's happening. He was in a dogfight, and and that's where he wanted to be. He didn't want it to be easy. No, <laughs> he was having the time of his life, and it was so uplifting. Because for me, my Andy Murray low point moment was watching that match against Kyle Edmund courtside in Eastbourne, and I just thought, goodness me, I can't see a way back. No, and, it uh, was it was depressing. There are it certain was... things you miss about one of the greats when when they're not around they've got their own 
apart from just being brilliant tennis players, they've got their own distinct, almost signature moves, haven't they? Or responses to things. And and uh, I I've missed Andy Murray roaring, "Let's go!" You know, to the whole crowd. You know, after winning a point or trying to get himself going. That's his way of doing it. Stan Wawrinka's is just a come on, but it's in just such a, a from the from the depths of his stomach Gutteral, kind of it? roar. It's yeah, Kathleen Turner esque. Oh yeah, and it. It just goes right through you, I feel. makes you shudder to listen to it. And Murray's got a new celebration, though. After, uh, when he beat Mackenzie McDonald, he just went, yes! <laughs> it was just a really long well, yes. Yeah, and I mean, that was... And actually, I feel like we saw the extremities of celebration and reaction, obviously, after the third match of weeping into his towel just because of this situation, because I think all those things I highlighted a few moments ago of of the doubts from the outside look we've we're all we've all turned into amateur psychologists over the last few days trying to because we didn't get chance we're not out over there Menton, hardly anybody we know is over there because everybody's on holiday at the moment on the in the tennis scene maybe we shouldn't be but that that's what we're doing so nobody asked him a couple of the questions that i think we really wanted the answers to which is why 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 did you react like that why did you cry i know it sounds it sounds a little bit as though you're imposing on somebody to ask those questions but that's our job and and that's what i would love to know Do you the answer think it's to. pretty clear why i think that's a chinook going over oh yeah Catherine whittaker helicopter uh, specialist here on the tennis podcast it's the only kind of helicopter i know right i don't even know that one <laughs> so you've educated me Look, yeah, my, certainly my reading of it is is this is a year and 18 months worth of just the depths of despair coming out because he's, he's back where he wants to be and he's pushed himself to three in the morning for three hours. He's absolutely exhausted. It, it's pushed him physically as far as he can go. And then, yeah, it hits you. And, and you know, when we, I'm sure most of you have seen seen the video that's done the rounds on uh, on twitter and and the rest of it but if any of you haven't it is not an exaggeration to say for it it's prolonged he is oh, absolutely sobbing audibly audibly yeah. as well he's sort of heaving with sobs pretty um, upsetting into to listen to. It, it's yeah it, it's the sound it's the sound effects you know it's like when a a dog is whimpering for their owner you know the helplessness mm. of it um and uh yeah i've i found it a very profound moment um i i it made me realize how rare it is in life in the world in society to see men express emotion and vulnerability like that let alone in the most typically masculine domain of sports um and i i don't know i i think that's an inc- it was just an incredibly powerful moment. Mm. You know, we live in a world where it's completely acceptable still to to use the expression "man up" or "grow a pair." And I I, I, I don't want to be a total killjoy, but I find those two of the most offensive, horrible expressions it's possible to use. I think they're, they're more damaging to men than they are to women. There's the obvious sort of sexist undertones of them but it's so horribly damaging to men you know it's the very epitome of toxic mas- masculinity man up yeah you know, well which is what th- that idiot Piers Morgan said to said to Marin Cilic uh, exactly. after the Wimbledon final um but that you know we've we've seen others as, aside from Cilic I remember Rafael Nadal once winning the French Open and reacting similarly and it felt as though you know you got an insight then into just how much pressure he puts on himself because how much it takes for him to do this have you ever seen anything as raw and prolonged as that though I I haven't your memory extends extends back further the the, the, the the, the rawness of the anguish. Pete Sampras is... crying whilst hitting aces against Jim Courier in the 1995 Australian Open is something that will live with me forever um, because he was my hero at that time before I worked in tennis. Um, and you'd never seen him give any emotion ever. He just didn't. That wasn't him. He was the ultimate automaton and champion by focus and procedure and devastating ground stroke and here he is against Jim Courier he's recently found out that his coach and friend Tim Gullickson has been diagnosed with brain cancer and and, and is not going to survive and uh, midway through the match five I think it was five sets uh, up against Jim Courier 
they're going hammer and tong and and I think somebody shouted out, "Do it for your coach, Pete," and uh, and you just saw him go um, whilst on the court, and and he, he was sobbing on the court. I remember watching him, and just it was it just broke your heart to watch it. And then he gathered himself. Jim Courier shouted across the net, "You doing okay, Pete?" And I think that was actually a a, a, a profession. He was trying to just be human. Was Jim Courier? I felt uh, that's my reaction. I, it, it seemed to slightly get Sampras at the time and, and kind of snap him back into gear as if to say, right, you know, and he put his head down and he hit two aces. It was incredible to watch. Um, so there was that. But no, in recent, in recent time, no, I don't think I've seen anything quite like that. Perhaps one of the factors in the, the, the sort of depth of emotion on display was the fact that it was 3.02 in the morning. Yes, I mean, yeah. And, and I eight, do my most profound crying at 3.02 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, the match, had, the match started after midnight I mean they they had an awful week for rain Washington to be fair they've had a lot of awful weeks of late I don't know I I, I mean yeah it wasn't a one-off it wasn't an unlucky one-off they do at this time of year Washington City does seem to be completely blinded by these this incredibly torrential rain they don't start matches until 2.30 in the afternoon Um, I, I think because of the extreme heat in the middle of the day but uh, yeah, the, the 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 blighting of the schedule meant that matches were starting incredibly late. Murray mm. was scheduled last match on his match against Marius Koppel, and it started post midnight and finished at three o two in the morning. Um, afterwards, he said that he didn't know. He didn't know whether he would be. You know, he. he He's in a period of uncertainty anyway with his body, let alone throw in this completely unprecedented scenario of finishing a match, a very, very long match, a three-hour match at 3.02 in the morning. Um, and just as a, a sort of extra spanner in the works, the tournament director, Keely O'Brien, um, gave these comments in response to to Andy Murray suggesting he there was uncertainty over whether he'd be able to play his his quarterfinal against uh, Alex de Menage. He She said, I think and hope that Andy really takes into consideration this role in his sport and as a global role model to guys and girls on the tour and kids around the world that when things are difficult and tough and the, con- and the conditions aren't great, that it's not OK to just give up. I hope we see him on court tonight fighting like he did last night because that, I believe, is the right message for anyone in this sport. Certainly if he can't because of injury, that's one thing, but he's a fighter and he doesn't give up and he needs to have everyone see that. Now, um, she did re- redeem herself subsequently, so Andy Murray ended up... Uh, well, actually, he first of all pulled out of Toronto... Um, yes. next week didn't it or this week and and then the writing seemed to be on the wall and and then the the withdrawal from from the quarterfinal in Washington was forthcoming and and subsequent to that uh, um, Keely O'Brien responded in a completely different tone and far more the right tone saying I'm so grateful that Andy an incredible champion came back to DC to begin what we all know will be a great comeback I sincerely respect his decision and know that his health and recovery process is his top priority as it should be we all wish him great success for the rest of the summer and I look forward to him coming back to Washington next year now I think it's a shame that she didn't retract her previous comments yeah there that was obviously a far more considered prepared statement probably with the input of some kind of media team and and the previous statements less polished more off the cuff but mm. completely out of order to the extent that i i laughed out loud when i read yeah, them i, I found the- it so preposterous it, 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 having somebody question the fighting spirit of andy murray it's yeah. absurd well, i First of all, I mean, the actual quotes came, the original quotes came from an interview with the Washington Post and with one of the Washington <laughs> newspaper. They'd done an interview that morning, and I dare, I think really on the agenda had been a lot of questions about the scheduling issues and all that kind of thing. And then obviously the 3 a.m. finish, and they put the, the quotes of Andy Murray to her about how unfair he thought it all was and the position he'd been put in. And... I mean, look, I, I agree with you. They're, they're ridiculous quotes, I'm afraid. When you read them out loud like that, they just sound ridiculous. I, there's a couple of caveats that I would have to not judge her too harshly here. One is that we haven't heard her say it 
you know, and, and I'm not doubting the quotes, but there is sometimes a context and a, a conversation takes place. And, and I did feel as though the reporter was trying to, in subsequent tweets, make it clear that this was part of a wider conversation. And yes, she'd picked that out and everybody had run with it. But, you know, there's more to the conversation as a whole than that. The other one is, I don't know Keely. Uh, I forget her surname. O'Brien. Coley O'Brien. Apologies. I don't, I don't know her myself. I do know somebody who knows her. And he, he told me that he was really surprised that that would have come out from her in as much as he feels she's very smart and switched on and, and is a very good tournament director. So, look, maybe maybe that's wrong. Maybe she's just not handled it well and that's the way it is. But I, I would like to think that there might be more to it than that. <coughs> Obviously shortly after that came out he then withdrew and people started putting two and two together as if to say right well he's heard those quotes and he's thought screw you but i thought it actually might work the other way trying to crawl inside the mind of andy murray which is obviously an impossible task but uh, i thought he might go well screw you i'm going to show what a yeah what an fighting animal i am i don't think either would have been actually relevant to his decision making because he's got far more at stake than something of that ilk to get to the, the the just the the nuts and bolts of the scheduling um in the circumstances you know they were incredibly blighted by rain what could they have done yeah, it's it's difficult. Well, I think that the only thing you can probably do in that situation, you've got, I suppose, you've got two choices. One is to, when you realise things are overrunning to that extent, is move Andy Murray to another court and start him simultaneously. <laughs> the problem you have then is you you don't have a stadium court crowd, and they've bought tickets for that court, etc. But TV, that, yeah. that that is one option. Even though other, I mean, I'm sure that court would have been televised as well if need be. The other one is you could just hold it over to the next day the problem is though then you're asking that player to play twice in a day which which i know for a fact he he hasn't enjoyed in the past um so it's difficult start matches earlier well yeah you could you could start i know matches it's brutal early, heat in washington earlier. but tennis players do sometimes play yeah, in brutal that, heat that that is an option that there are there are a few different things you could do but i mean i think it ultimately comes down to and, and i know um grad matt ran a uh, a talking point on Still Twitter. Doesn't sound quite right. I know, student Matt to us, isn't he? But anyway, we'll, we'll keep. He's going to be forty-five. We're going to have student Matt. <laughs> Do you think a bit like Henman Hill <laughs> is still Henman? Do you think we can have a word and ask him if it's all right? With the the thing is, Henman Hill is Henman Hill on Google Maps. Is it? And Google is obviously. You Do you know, think student Matt is on Google Maps? Uh, I don't know. Google? It needs to be ratified by a higher being. Right. Who's which, that? which is well, Google. Google. Oh, yeah. Okay, we'll have a word with Google then. It needs a Wikipedia page. Does it? Which officially oh. says his name. I think. I think Wikipedia is on a par with Google in terms right. of authority okay, in the right. modern Western I, we world. We digress. Uh, where were we? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the talking points that came out is is that scenario of an over, overnight tennis, effectively, versus the Wimbledon curfew. Uh, of 11 p.m. Does there need to be a, a, a point at which you just don't Probably send another match Probably should point on? out that that Wimbledon curfew is enforced by um, the, the local council yeah. due to, <laughs> due oh. to uh, neighbor, neighbourhood noise restrictions. That's not necessarily the, the club's policy no i got hammered in certain quarters for pointing out that i thought it was great that uh when i woke up at seven o'clock in the morning i'd still got a set to watch well i thought it was great because it started at five o'clock in the morning uk time and i was blooming well awake coughing away oh dear and, yeah and i thought oh yeah, tennis is starting this is well an done, absolute tennis. dream yeah, yeah. Uh, um i would i would like to look I, I, their hands are tied behind their back to a certain extent it rains it you know i i was commentating uh, the wta event in lugano earlier this year and they just had four solid days of rain to start the tournament and i was just thinking maybe they'll have to cool this thing off maybe they just can't do this you yeah. know I, I was starting to contemplate that prospect um but i, I would just i know i bang on about this a lot but their scheduling in other respects to me is is not ideal all four women's quarterfinals were scheduled on the second court and all four men's quarterfinals were scheduled on the main court and for me that's not okay so that sort of makes me slightly less inclined to to give them benefit of the doubt on on the scheduling front um but obviously i realize rain is rain we just need more roofs don't we well that we certainly could do with more roofs i think it does does highlight that as, as an issue but i also think maybe there needs to be from the atp 
level a, a rule that you don't put matches on yeah. beyond such and such a clock. You know? you, I mean, and the other is- issue is, is, it sounds to me from what was coming out from the players that the players weren't consulted at all mm. about the decision making, and I think that leads to a certain. Um, level of dissatisfaction as well doesn't it I mean I know they're restricted there are other considerations as well it's not as simple as just saying to the players well what do you want okay we'll do that um, they have to consider TV and and uh, and the crowds and all the rest of it but it sounds sounds like the players weren't the players weren't taken into consideration at all which um, is a risky game to play given that they all go and speak to the press after their matches <laughs> Um, and uh, get to express their feelings uh, very freely. Uh, in terms of the tennis, David, we had an all next gen semi final lineup um, on the men's side, and we had Sasha Zverev winning, defending his title. It's preposterous that he's still next gen, especially as because we had that contrast of him alongside the other three next geners in that semi-final lineup. he looks like a different oh, species he took them of, to the cleaners. Of, of youngster. Sitsipas, who is just such a charming guy um, and such a good player and, and keeps reproducing, he had no answer to the depth and power, relentlessness of, of Zverev. It felt like Zverev just couldn't miss out there at all. And he has the big serve. When he plays like that, you just think... Well, this guy's going to just clean up at tournaments regularly, which he is. But you still end up coming out, even though he's beaten Alex Diminor in straight sets, you still end up coming out thinking, well, yeah, this happened a year ago. Diminor a little overawed in the final, perhaps? I didn't see the final, um, but possibly. possibly um, but I also think you just... The, the, it's it was so, man against boy, it's, wasn't that's it? That's it. Yeah. It's so difficult. These kids are owned by Alexander Zverev. I'd love to see whether have any of them beaten him. I mean, Chorich beat him. Kyrgios has beaten him, but they're more his. They're, they're his contemporaries. Has the, Shapovalov beaten him? No, guys like Shapovalov, yeah. Rublev, they've all been just decimated by um, Alexander Zverev so far, and, and including Dimonor now and, and Sitsipas. He played his brother Misha for the first time. Was it in the second round? I think it was in the second mm. round. Um, did Sasha and. Uh, I found that really interesting because when Sasha's very first emerged onto the tour, I found it really difficult to compute the fact that he was the brother of Misha. Obviously, when you study their faces, you can see the resemblance, but physically, two completely different specimens. And they're, they're always they're always going to be slightly different specimens. Alex Rove is a lot taller and, and streakier. He looks like... Well, when when he first came on the tour, he just looked like Misha had been stretched, <laughs> stretched upwards. Um, but now, when you see them alongside another, and Misha is a sort of a strong-looking guy, isn't he? He's def- it's definitely man and not boy. Now, other than the height, there is far less of a physical difference between them. They mm. look like siblings. I mean, yeah. yes, facially, he's started to look a bit more like his brother as well. But suddenly, it didn't look like a ten years older brother. It looked like, you know, okay, yeah, these two are cut from the same cloth, as yes, it were. Yeah, and still end up thinking that sooner or later, Zverev is just going to click how you do this at slam level. But we have been saying this for a good 18 months now because he's posted results like this before and you, you can't see how it's not going to happen. One of the things, and we give team an awfully hard time we about We do, I'm aware of that. But I asked the other day on, on Twitter, how many people win Washington and go and win the US Open? It's a long, old road to that title. Now, people have had long runs of success. Agassi won 26 matches in a row, ended up losing the US Open final. Pat Rafter used to go through the through that summer and just win the lot. Um, but you're asking an awful lot of yourself. Look, maybe the view is... Yeah, just winning is the habit. We want to build him up. We want to build those foundations. But look, and if his grandstand results were were backing that up, then then you know we'd we'd shut our mouths and, and I, say, okay. He, I haven't he spoken knows to Jess Green bit. about it. I haven't spoken to him for a while about it. But I'd love to know what he thinks because my view is he'd probably say, well, yeah, we're, this is building block stuff. You know, we're, we're, I'm looking at two years time because I mean, in two years time, you could imagine that he would be. An incredible athlete, able to handle anything. But I, my concern for Zverev would be the scar tissue mentally that builds up in the meantime of just repeatedly losing earlier slams. It's taking a lot for granted, isn't it, to say that... I mean, that's a... I don't disagree. I, 
as you know, I think Zverev will be a Grand Slam champion. But that's a that's quite a confident position, isn't it? To say we're so confident that he will end up being a multiple Grand Slam champion, we can afford to treat these these years as just. And I don't think that they yeah. go into these slams thinking we won't win this one. We'll win the one in two years' time. But yeah, I think we'll bide our time. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> Wimbledon twenty twenty. Yeah, we'll have of, that one. Of course, they don't do that. But I think that they do feel that 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 he is on a a journey really towards becoming his his best self and that is not right now yeah but isn't that sort of the that's perfection not progress i mean is it to suggest there's sort of an end point in a journey well i don't know whether they are saying that but i but i can see the point of of building an athlete you know and especially Uh, in this generation that's kind of the point i'm making when i saw him stand next to Diminar okay that's a that's a heck of a contrast because he's the most boyish looking uh, tennis player out there and when I saw him standing next to his brother I thought he, he they've built that athlete now they, they've mm. built him um, and yes they're ahead of the curve where they expected to be but he's he's there now there is nothing holding him back he can still improve everyone can still improve that's you know that's the progress not perfection thing but that athlete is built and ready. Yeah, I no, think. physically, I think he is ready. I, I, I think that the one other thing to bear in mind is that everybody else plays their is should be playing their best tennis at the slams, and he's running into these players, and he's not playing his best. So he's at the moment he's not figured out how to peak. Yeah, I mean, talk about pressure on him at the U.S. Open. Do you think he'll rock up with knee-high socks on again? Oh, crikey. That, I, yeah, I think that that was a mistake. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that at the time. That's asking. Bigger than any scheduling errors he may or may not be making, the knee-high socks is the biggest error. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, tennis podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. What else have we had? We've had Fabio Fanini winning a first ever hardcourt title in Los Cabos, uh, yes. which looks like a pretty delightful event, David, yeah. uh, beating uh, Juan Martín del Potro How do you describe his hair? Bananas? Yeah, basically, he, he, it's like he'd had a shaved head apart from about 12 little tufts, which he'd put 
little colourful hairbands around. He's nothing if not provocative. Yeah, and, and apparently he had that hairstyle because he lost a bet. Uh, and then he won a match with it, and he thought, this brings me luck. So he went through the whole tournament and won it. Oh, goodness me. If uh, Do we want the winning streak of Fabio Fanini to continue? Yes. You know he's going to lose first round in Toronto, don't you? <laughs> It's he totally possible. is. It's just as likely as him winning the tournament. So. Um, is he going to qualify for London, David? No, I mean, there's a heck of a gap. I was, <laughs> when, we, when we talked about where he is in the, in the positions, I think he's 10th now. There's still a heck of a gap. You're talking 1,000 points to get into the top Yeah, eight. but chances are that someone will pull out someone injured. Someone pulls out, yeah, true, true. Oh, look, he could do it. He's won three titles this year now. That's, that's good going. That'd be amazing. I think London had... Blooming love They'd Fabio love him, Fanini. Yeah. They love him. No, he'd be a good addition. Um, and uh, yeah, Martin Kleejamling the title in Kitchball and uh, Dominic Team. Should we give him? A, should we give a, a Dominic Team schedule bashing a week off? Yeah, give him a break. <laughs> what's he doing? But what's new? <laughs> okay, so on to the women's then. When we we have had uh, victories for Svetlana Kuznetsova in Washington over Donna Vekic in the final. Vekic in in floods of tears oh, in the uh, in I the watched, ceremony because she watched. was she had match points in that second set. I woke and, up this morning, uh, heard the four match points thing, and then I watched all four trophy speeches oh. and well, the two trophy speeches from San Jose and Washington, and the two runner-up speeches and. Honestly, when you're sitting on a train in public watching Donna Vekic talk about how upset she is and one day Torben will win her coach, one day will win one of these. and Ah, yeah, you, you don't really need that when you... Uh, it, it, uh, not to sound like the um, masochistic side, no, sadistic side of this partnership, David, <laughs> but I was quite pleased to see that the, the raw signs of how much she cares now yes. because I think... I don't, I don't know, but for for a couple of years, the evidence suggested that maybe she didn't care quite to the degree no. that was necessary to 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 fulfil her her great talent. Um, and I thought the appointment of Torben Belts um, at the start of the year was a really good sign in itself because he wouldn't have signed on unless he was satisfied that she was giving her absolute utmost commitment and. And yeah, the the results are coming. There's still a way to go, but they're definitely coming. And yeah, the the desire that was evident um, in her in that final, um, and yeah, and the emotion of her of her speech there, really good signs. Well, Donna I love Vekic, I, I love that partnership between Vekic and Torben Belts. I have no idea if it'll work long term, but Belts, if you weren't up with this, coached for a long time Angelique Kerber, who was one of those players that really wasn't much to write home about early on and he said she was lazy when when she he first started working with to her think that now, to think it? of angelique kerber being described as lazy given what the sort of athlete she is now and the worker and the tenacity she has and all the rest of it um but he understands how again we talked about building an athlete building a competitor as well i think in the term in terms of somebody like vekic who came on the scene at an incredibly young age and had some success at the age of 16 and because she sort of trained out of britain we were all we interested all to, her, in yeah. her and and i think made we made such a fuss about her that <laughs> i'm not sure that did her too many favors really uh, i think she probably thought she'd arrived a little before she had um, and you're right she's had to go back to the foundations and build up again because David Felgate got got her to a very high level early on and then that that sort of plateau took place but you know maybe there is maybe it is there for her and then you look at someone like Svetlana Kuznetsova the love of the game from that woman came out in her speech because she's in her 30s now she she's been around she won the US Open in 2004 14 years ago you know when she was 18 and she's she's undergone a major surgery over the last year was it wrist surgery i think i mean we know yeah, how hard that is yeah I mean, wrists on on the basis of sort of recent players evidence wrists seem to be the, the worst yeah and she's a wristy player if you yeah. watch her so cracking results and just just great to see her back and on tour because everybody seems to love her yeah she's so popular isn't she um and speaking of comebacks david we saved the best to last Mihaela buzanescu of romania she was ranked 540 in the world at the start of last year yeah and and she, she between uh, i love this stat from um wta insider courtney um 
Ten years she spent trying to qualify for a main draw event between 2007 and 2017. And she didn't qualify for a single main tour event. I mean, she had loads of injuries in that time as well. 29 years of age. 16 times she came up short trying to just qualify. And here she is, 20 in the world now, winning titles. I mean, she absolutely thrashed Maria Sakari. Six, love 6-1. Yeah. And Sakari had a great week. I mean, she beat Venus Williams and she's going places. So... Just and she's a great player to watch Buzanesco. Remember at Wimbledon when Pat Cash said she was a little bit like watching John McEnroe. I mean, what a comparison Where that is! Where did she get that power from? She's so yeah. wiry, and she she belts that ball. Mm. I know, I know the answer is timing, and also I think her legs are a lot stronger yeah. than than you realise. I think she gets a lot of power from there, but. I took, took my breath away when I saw her up close in Eastbourne for the first time. I saw her on the practice court, and I, I think I literally sort of, you know, stopped in my tracks and turned mm. around. And I thought, is that, is that Mahela I'd never seen her strike a ball in the yeah. flesh before, and, and boy, did it send a shiver down my spine. And, um, yeah, she considered giving up. You know, she, <clears throat> she pays a lot of tribute to those around her for persuading her to to believe in herself i mean she's got all the ingredients of you know the fairy tale story well it reminded me a little bit i mean hopefully not the same sort of backstory but um timea Bichinsky, uh, <coughs> i think had some success over the weekend and and she'd recently posted about her injury struggles and how desperate she was to get back because again the old andy murray thing and and Djokovic, you see how much this sport when they really love it and it's taken away from them how hard it is but yeah similarly has gone this roundabout route has often had to take time away from the sport may not make it at all so many players don't make it don't even get a career and then you get one like Buzanescu, who not only makes a career but suddenly figures out how to start winning big it's great and it also shows you how fine the margins are mm. between uh, between the top and you know 200 from the top yeah. or 400 and it, and from the so top. There's so much that you goes know, into it. As far as I know, she's not hitting technically those forehands and backhands are the same. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's 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 marginal game. Packaging your game, making it effective, and and then the it's mental everything. side as well. Oh. Um, Victoria Zarenka, um didn't have a good week in San Jose, no. did she? Injury, back injury. She was in very visible pain on the court. Sorry, I, I feel like I'm putting you and the listener through emotional, repeated emotional turmoil this week. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, um, I, I actually started watching that match. I watched the first Daniel four or five Collins, games and it was close. Yeah. Um, and then I, I woke up and saw what had happened um, and saw... Azarenka sitting there in agony and the scoreline was she'd won the first set 7-6 and Collins was walking over to her with a three-love lead and don't know what was said would love to have had a mic on it but it seemed to be either you know a shake of the hands or are you okay or it might have been you're done then it was certainly brief it was very very brief and it was followed by Daniel Collins uh, informing the umpire that it was over and just marching over to a chair to many Carriol a a a tennis journalist, a colleague of ours, who is fantastic on Twitter, he he tweeted the video of it and he said, "Oh, remember those those really emotional videos of Del Potro <laughs> helping up his injured opponents and in carrying their bags off court? This isn't that. <laughs> that much is certain. So <laughs> it definitely well wasn't it. that. Um, yeah, uh, but anyway, we wish uh, we wish Victoria Zarenka well. Just um, final biz- bit of business from San Jose, David Joe Conta inflicting the biggest hardest ever defeat of Serena Williams career love and won mm. won and love she lost 12 games in a row Serena Williams did uh, and she subsequently pulled out of Montreal this week due to personal reasons no idea if those two um, facts are in any way related I'm not sure we will know ever or certainly for until she next plays but um, those are the facts Conta was brilliant by the way absolutely brilliant um and I tweeted at the time that it's just possible that, you know, I'm not saying Conta's going to win Grand Slams necessarily, but it's just possible that she'll ex- experience a similar story arc to, to Angelique Kerber, another introvert, another sort of similar personality type that that doesn't enjoy the spotlight and all the hoo-ha that goes, on, uh, goes with the meteoric rise. And sort of once she's got that year of defending out of the way now, Joe Conta, after Wimbledon last year, 
the wheels actually now that we can mm. look back on it as a 12 month period the wheels started to come off then so she's got nothing to defend now really no, no. expectations the our eyes are, are slightly diverted and she played the best tennis i've seen her play for since wimbledon last year for yeah me. she she did and then she backed it up with another win and then she went five yeah. two up against elise mertens and had set points and didn't win the set and i think that that is we've we've seen a few too many of those this year from a joe conta perspective where she's i think mike dixon described her on form as a runaway train and i know what he means she she's relentless and she has these arrow like ground strokes and it's somehow somehow times really difficult to stop her but if you find a way to just derail her a little um it can all come crashing down pretty quickly and uh, and that's what it did against Mertens, who is an excellent player when she's on form there. Uh, she is. What do we think of Serena? I mean, is well, there anything it's, it's to think? Just impossible to read, isn't it? Um, but Ben was Ben Rothenberg was saying that she was never going to play three events in a row in the lead up to the US Open. That's just not her. We were talking last week about how kind of pleasing it was that she was trying to do that because you know, and I still believe this. How how is she going to be able to? produce her best if she doesn't get enough tennis but I don't know what that was all about so we'll, we'll just have to wait and find well, now out. Well she's going to end up playing so she's pulled out of uh, Montreal's which she's going to play Cincinnati but I mean you can barely count what she did in San Jose as a match. No. You can barely count that as an event so she's actually going to have ended up with one event yes. um, prior to the US Open um, not ideal at all. In terms of Montreal <laughs> Uh, Joe Conter again getting the sticky end of the draws. She's drawn uh, Elena Ostapenko. Oh, awesome. One. I mean, you know, I know that's probably not very good for her hopes, but I just well, love... Well, they had a great match in Rome yeah, they on did. Conter's least favourite surface. I just love these sort of draws, you know. It's it's great. And Mertens has got Bouchard in round one. I like mm. that as well. In the men's in Toronto, Djokovic against Chung and Vavrinka Kyrgios in round one. <laughs> 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 which is awesome uh, i mean three years ago go and just go and google youtube um uh curios oh, no it's not it's, anyway if you want to know why no that's funny anyone. that's all i'm saying uh we won't go over it again it's not um, funny it, no it's not but it kind of is that they're playing each other again but anyway but they have played one another since then i think didn't they play in madrid i think they buried the hatches they played uh, in madrid a couple of years ago I'm sure because I remember waiting in the mix zone to speak to them both about it and uh, Vavrinka wasn't av- having any of it batted it away quickly yes. and Kyrgios was very keen to get into the aggro <laughs> surprising although it probably won't happen because Kyrgios has been struggling with the hip injury it's true again. yeah uh, but incidentally another tasty draw with some history Maria Sharapova against Cecil Karatancheva who, uh, who's not 14 anymore. No. I How mean, th- did she I become a sort of woman in her mid-20s? Late 20s, I think. Crikey. I mean, you go, you're going back over 10 years to when a very confident Cecil Karatancheva <laughs> said that she intended to kick Maria Sharapova's ass off. Um, which uh, which uh, was a direct quote, and uh, she then got beaten by Maria Sharapova, and frankly hasn't done an awful lot since, really, with her career. Um, but yeah, they're playing each other. Uh, those quotes are great if you go on to win. Don't you <laughs> should save them till afterwards. <laughs> I love quotes. <laughs> um, what else do we have, David? Federer not playing in Toronto. Yeah, well, didn't fancy we it. Want some rest? Nadal top seed. Yes. Yes, I mean it's lots to back up for Denis Shapovalov, of course. Yeah, he's and he has—he's had a tough, tough few weeks, really. Um, but I, I don't expect anything different. You know, these are young lads finding their way uh, with all this, and I think sometimes you can get big results like he had last year. And you can feel that like you've just cracked it, and then it can get sticky. For I had it on the golf course yesterday. My first shot was amazing, right? And I parred it, and I really, you know, I genuinely thought. I've cracked this. <laughs> I've won at golf. And then I lost seven balls in two holes. Actually physically lost them. Did, he, uh, did, did, did Jimmy Anderson, have you seen that video? I have seen that. I did do one of those, actually, and I ne- nearly took out my mate Rich. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, I'm not in a hospital um, nursing him. Uh, we need to wrap up, David, but just one final thought for him. We're putting on the spot. This was not in Grad Matt's agenda. Um, but for whom is this the biggest week? Name me a couple of players um, on on the men's and the women's side for whom this week is big. 
Oh, crikey, that's a good question. I, I actually, you know, you mentioned Nadal there. I, I feel that it's a big week for people like Nadal, Djokovic, Kerber. Because coming back out off the results they had, winning the Wimbledon titles in Kerber and Djokovic's case, this is their first time back. And it's so, I, I reckon it must be really difficult to kind of have that level of euphoria and then have a rest and a celebration and then get it all going again. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that's too easy. So quite interested to, I'm most interested well, in Hallett seeing how they go. found it incredibly different at Wimbledon yeah. didn't she? I mean they're more experienced at it than she is so that should, and actually she's another one I'm, I'm very interested to see but those are the sort of storylines that I'm most interested in because we've seen a number of the other players already but throwing these others back into the mix yeah fascinating. Fascinating indeed uh, I will be back in a week's time to dissect all things Canadian um, and I'll be joined by Charlie Eccleshare of uh, The Telegraph because oh. David will be swanning around Croatia somewhere yeah, massive upgrade getting a David podcast. Law tan I almost don't recognise David when he gets a tan it's, it's so alarming <laughs> the mirror's a bit of a strange sight <laughs> um, so yeah I'll be back in a week's time uh, with Charlie to review uh, Toronto and Montreal and well, won't even be looking ahead to Cincinnati it'll already have started such is the onward march uh, of this US Open series towards the US Open which starts three weeks today a reminder that if you want to watch the US Open in the UK and Ireland you can only do so on Amazon Prime Video I'm biased but I strongly urge you to yeah, do she, so she's presenting the thing I tell you um, there's another reason it's going to be great I can't wait I'm definitely I'm in I'm in the zone now I'm in the US Open zone David you do look a bit more I've, refreshed I've had some sleep yeah. um, I've got my illness sort of out of the way and uh, I'm ready for all things uh, US Open so that's in three weeks time uh, in a little more than three weeks time what is it uh, five six seven weeks time uh, is the Labour Cup which uh, has now been announced I think it's actually been announced while we've been recording David that Amazon Prime Video UK has added the global rights for the Labour Cup to its US Open and ATP World Tour rights which of course it has uh, in the UK from 2019 it has the Labour Cup rights from this year from uh, the 21st to the 23rd of December it's the second edition of the Labour Cup it is being held in Chicago and Amazon will stream all Labour Cup matches in more than 200 countries so us open labor cup and the atp world tour from next year as well it's uh it's a lot of tennis but for now we have been the tennis podcast brought to you in association with the telegraph i'll be back next week with charlie eccleshare of the telegraph um, we've also been brought to you in association with la manga club uh, with our three executive producers triple s melanie bows and tennisballs.com with charlie the ferret as well and i will be back next week i'll speak to you then 